Thank you, Chris. Well, good evening, everyone. That's very funny. I have been a father. Let me tell you, I'm still a father. At least I was the last time I spoke to my son and uh, two daughters and six grandkids. Dear, dear me. And so uh, I know I don't look old enough, but he asked me in, in the vestry, or would you call it a vestry, an office? I don't know what it is. A room where you do all your sleep, uh, working and studying. He asked me how old I was. I thought that was a very cheeky question, don't you? But uh, I'm 67 and I'm retired, but not really. I feel 21 and I'm refired, not retired. And it's just marvellous. Do you know, uh, it's great that Des and Jackie are here from my steg. Uh, they travelled further than me to get here to be with us tonight. I'm just over in Porter's Head, just um, by Godano Services. Of course, I don't have to pay to come into the country now. Free to come in. It was always free to get out, but it was always, you had to pay to get in. And uh, so it was, you know, very, very easy to get here. And what a delight. I've been really looking forward to tonight. My wife would normally be with me even on uh, these kind of get-togethers, but she was working in our church's little play group. And she goes there on a Wednesday and comes back shattered mid-afternoon. And so uh, she's at, at home, uh, but she sends her love to each and every one of you. It was, in fact, uh, just last week when Chris gave to me the topic that he wanted me to speak on, and I couldn't have been uh, more happy, really, with what he, what he said, because he, he said, can you talk to us and share something about team, about team? And I'll be absolutely honest, I suppose team has been almost something that I've carried with me from being early on in pastoral ministry. Um, uh, we were leading our first church at the age of 22, uh, which was very, very young, and had already been an assistant pastor for a period of time before that. So I've been in this a whole long, long, long time together with my wife. But it was in those early years, way, way back, that a mentor of mine, a man by the name of Dick Iverson, he was the pastor of a large church called Bible Temple in Portland, Oregon. Some of you will have heard perhaps of a man called Frank Damasio. Frank Damasio made the making of a man of God and lots of other great books. Well, he was his pastor. And Dick Iverson was a little bit of a mentor of mine. And in those early days, he brought some teaching into my life about team and the importance of team. And it went from here to here. And so for years and years, way back, right as early as I can remember... I've had a conviction as to the importance and the need for team. For us all to belong to a team and for us all to be involved ultimately in leading teams. I've lived it. I've loved it. At times I've loathed it. Uh, because sometimes you think, well, I wish I didn't have a team because I could just get on with it. But actually the truth is I've been lifted by it. And so the whole concept of team and what it means to belong to team is something that is very, very near to my own heart. Um, actually, what I've done, I've written a little book on team, and I've brought you, when I say all a copy, I've brought you one between two, all right, because I, I think I don't think I've got enough here, and if anybody didn't manage to get one, I'd, I'd bring some the next time I come. I think I've got enough for you all to have one of these, uh, because tonight, all I'm going to be able to do is just kind of give a panoramic view, a bit of a picture of what some of the things that I think about team, uh, but in here there's, there's far more. So we'll put those at the back and you all can take one of those uh, with my love and I trust that they're a blessing to you. It's a very simple read, so you have no need to think, oh, this is going to be complicated. Anything that I write or preach is always going to be very, very simple and easy. The importance of team, yeah, it's so important. I, I suppose everyone here knows that Hillary and uh, Norgan, they summited Mount Everest. They're the names that we know. They got to the top. But how many of you know that there were 500 people that were on their team that actually helped to get them there? John Maxwell, a famous teacher, particularly to leaders, he says teamwork makes the dream work. But a vision becomes a nightmare when the leader has a big dream and a bad team. And that's true. So it's important who we attach ourselves to in team. Now, just a little while ago, only a matter of a few weeks ago, and I've kind of spoken on this subject quite a bit, but I've never used what I'm going to do tonight. 
Because a few weeks ago, I came across a little DVD, and I, I thought, hey, if they forget anything that I say, it won't really matter if they grasp the concept of what you're going to see on this little DVD. Some of you will have seen something like this before, but it's a prophetic statement. It's a prophetic statement for you taking the land. That was your, that was your scripture. That's what you're talking about. Get in there and take the land, take the area around Morristeg, take the land around where that very difficult name was that the lady said. I, I wouldn't even go to try and pronounce it. Take the land of Abergavenny, take the land of South Wales, take, take the land. Well, it it's, can't be done by just one person. It does need a team. People with uh, the same heart and the same spirit. But actually, it might start with somebody dreaming a dream. And then others begin to attach themselves to that dream. And, and you know what the outcome is? A great crowd and a great gathering begin to understand that great harmony is taking place because of people catching the vision of the dreamer. So sit back. I decided I wasn't going to do all the work tonight. And enjoy. I, I, I enjoyed this very much when I came across it a few weeks ago. It takes place in America in a mall or a mall. And uh, it starts with just one person. And let's see what happens. Thank you so much.
think it's a prophetic statement. I think that when one person grabs a vision and begins to play their instrument, or if you like, play the gifting that God has given to them, and then others join them, and then others join them, what happens ultimately is uh, there's a great crowd that begin to gather. And it all starts with vision, and it all starts with actually belonging to a team. All different instruments. And of course, when it was just that first player, it was pretty nice. But then when you got the added instruments, it became even more powerful and beautiful. And then when you add the voices and you're everywhere, well, it just filled that whole mole there with music and with harmony. And when a church and when a leader begins to gather a team together, a team such as it is in this room, when everyone begins to play their instrument and begins to operate at the sphere of the gifting that God has given to them, then I tell you, crowds begin to gather uh, and the church's attitude daily such as should be saved. I, I know for a fact that I'm not the best preacher. I, I know for the fact that I'm not the best communicator. I haven't got the greatest gift, but as I said way back as a young man, I did grasp a revelation as to the need for team, for me to develop team and for uh, team to be adding into my life as well. So let me share to you one or two things tonight regarding that whole aspect of, of team. Um, as I say, I'm not going to be able to, uh, to give you all what I've got in my notes here. We've got a PowerPoint as well, and we would never have got through it all. There are some stuff that's in the book there, but we'll just see how far we get on. Why is it then that I so passionately believe in the need for a leader to be a team builder and that in turn to be a team player, not just a dictator. And the first reason that I jotted down is because here's the truth. No one person has got it all. I, I, I don't care who it is. I, I have known Reinhard Bonnke, one of the greatest evangelists that has ever lived and, uh, and heard him preach many times and uh, had conversation with that great man of God, but he hasn't got it all. I, I never had the opportunity to meet Billy Graham. Uh, I've, uh, if you like, stood in the sidelines and watched on and uh, read the books and heard his messages, uh, but he needed a team because he hadn't got it all. Uh, I think Alan Hewitt's been here quite, quite a bit. Has Alan been here? Alan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my son's father-in-law. We grew up together. Um, for me, he's one of the, the best Bible teachers that I know. If you want somebody that can open up the Scriptures and open up the Word of God to you, I don't think there's a better preacher that I've ever heard, uh, actually, worldwide over than, well, perhaps T.G. Jakes would just about beat him. But, but, but Alan's a great, great... But you know something? He hasn't got it all. And... Today we're in this place here, and all a part of a team, but led by Chris and his wife Lyra, and as great as the gifting that is in Chris, I think he'd be the first one to say, yes, I've got gifts that God has given to me, all of his grace, but I haven't got it all. Because there's no one person that has ever got it all. They can be very talented, they can be very charismatic, uh, they can have a brilliant mind, but the truth is that they need others. We all need other people in our lives. So the first reason I would say is that I'm so passionate about team is because, well, no one person has got it all. And secondly, in order to see your dreams, and I hope you are all dreamers, I hope you've all got a vision in your heart. I hope you've all got something that you would like to see God do in and through your ministry, but in order to see your dreams fulfilled, then you have got to help others fulfill their dreams. Every one of us needs, I think, to belong to a team and be a team leader as well. If time allowed us, we could go into the book of Genesis, chapter 39, verses 2 and 3, and we'd read there about Joseph, this man who we, we know went from the pit uh, and ended up in prison. Uh, and there's a, a verse in chapter 40 and verse 8 uh, that says that uh, the, the, the Pharaoh there, he'd got some dreams, but there's a little verse that says, but there was no one to interpret the dreams. 
It's an interesting little thought, this. But then, of course, we know what happens. Joseph steps forward. He's in prison. And he interprets the dream of another. But you know what that does? That becomes the key that unlocks his future and his destiny. And so what every single person needs is a Joseph in their life. In order for this church to grow, it'll grow as more people catch the heart and the vision and the spirit of what God is saying to the church, primarily, although not individually through the senior angel of the church. But when you catch Chris's heart and you begin to get it and you interpret his dream so that actually he doesn't even need to say we need to do this and the other because you've already caught something. You begin to interpret it. Do you know what happens? It opens a door for you. And you find that your dreams begin to be fulfilled as you interpret and uh, bring about interpretation of the dreams of others. Yes, I think that everybody needs a Joseph. But above those two things, no one person have it in all. Seeing your dreams fulfilled, you need to belong to a team. The reason I'm passionate about team is because, very simply, it's the Bible way. It's what the Bible teaches. Team is found in the Old Testament. It's found in the New Testament as a biblical pattern for seeing the uh, ways of God brought about, God operates through team. It's always been that way. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 29, it speaks about Moses and the elders. Plurality. Plurality. It goes in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 6 that it talks about Joshua and the elders. Plurality. Team. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 30. Samuel and the elders. 1 Chronicles 11 and verse 3, David and the elders. 1 Kings 8 verses 1 and 3, Solomon and the elders. Are you getting the picture of the Old Testament? It talks about God joining people together in team, plurality, in order to see his purposes fulfilled. You turn over the pages into the New Testament, it's exactly the same. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14, it talks about Peter and the apostles, plurality. In Acts chapter 21 and verse 18, it talks about James and the elders, plurality. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 33, you read of Paul and the elders. Coming to the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 6, it talks about Christ and the 24 elders. All the way through, there is a stream that runs through showing that God He takes individuals, but he joins those individuals to others carrying the same heart and spirit, if you like, team, in order to see his purposes fulfilled. I told you it was a Bible thing. Think about our God. God himself is a team. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You you think about Jesus, he chose a team. He chose 12 disciples. When you get married, what's it a picture of? It's the two becoming one. It's a picture to us, really, of team. And so my conviction is this, that just as every ship needs a captain and every bus needs a driver, so too every church needs a leader, but every leader needs a team. And let me take it one stage further, if I may, because I think you've got a marvelous example of what's happening at this particular local church. Every pastor needs a team, and every team needs people outside of the team that become a part of the team. In other words, it's not just those within a local church that can help bring about the plans and purposes of God. And and these days, we spoke about it a little bit earlier in the office there, that God is raising up apostolic, prophetic voices within churches. Churches become prophetic voices to areas and even countries, but they do so by developing team and recognizing others outside of the situation that can speak something in that they themselves have not perhaps even got 
within their own church. You see, without outside input, churches will hit a lid. Without outside influence, churches become limited. They hit a barrier to growth and influence and will plateau. That's why the Bible makes it very, very clear that every church needs the input. doesn't need to say they're all in it, but they need the input of what Ephesians 5 and verse 11 talks about, the input of the apostle and the prophet and the pastor and the teacher and the evangelist. What for? For the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And now in my particular role, uh, no longer pastoring a, a local church, although very, very involved in a local church, I've got a, a number of churches that I go into a little bit like this, but uh, every church is different, but there's some that I call related churches whereby sometimes I will sit with their elders and their leaders. Uh, and all around the country, you will find that God, outside and inside of denominations, are recognizing the need for others of different gifts to be brought in into team, what for, so that dreams are fulfilled. I see it as a biblical pattern, and I'm very, very excited. Don't let anybody tell you that the church of Jesus Christ is in decline. If I had time tonight, I've got papers in the back of my Bible there that I've read just recently that in many countries now, the growth of the Christian church is growing faster than the population growth. Will someone say hallelujah? I mean, I'm telling you, we belong to something good. We belong in some senses to a worldwide family or a worldwide team. And so all over, it is that God is doing something tremendous in this day and age. But, okay, how do we choose a team? Because let me tell you, if you're leading the worship or you're leading the greeters on the door or you're involved with the boys and girls or you're involved with the youth or you're involved even in the clique, you need others around you that therefore you have to choose and you add to your team. And certainly, as a church grows, the leadership of that uh, particular church has to grow the team. How do you choose team members? Let me give you four very general uh, little things that could be true of anywhere in the world regarding any team. And then I'll tell you something of personally how I've chosen people for team. And I have to testify, I can't boast in anything save in the grace of God, but in the years of my ministry, I've only had great teams. I can't think of ever, ever having had a bad team. Uh, very often, of course, the people on the teams that I had were far better than me, but I was the team leader, because that's, that's just how it works. So I'll share some personal things in a moment or two. But let me give you a general little thing, how you choose a team. Number one, always go for character above charisma. Character above charisma. You see, even God himself, he says, give me your heart. He looks on our heart. It's always what's on the inside that really counts. And if you've got charisma and character, then fantastic. But out of the two, always go for always go for character. It's not what you do, it's who you are. Uh, it's more about the development of the personhood and becoming more like Jesus than even our ability, which leads me onto this. I believe that we ought to have friendship before function. What do I mean by that? Bill Hybels, uh, gone through a bit of a rough time more recently, but actually pastored a tremendous church over in the States, written a whole number of great books. He said there are four things that he looks for when he's putting people into team. He looks for character. He looks for competency. He looks for chemistry. And he looks for connection. In other words, he has people that he kind of likes and gets on with. Who on earth would choose people on their team 
that they didn't like. Just because they could do something. I, 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 I think, do you know what Jesus called his disciples? You are my friends. And I think that friendship is absolutely more important than even uh, the function. We belong at this church here to a fellowship of churches called the Assemblies of God. And uh, for some eight years then, I had, had the privilege of kind of heading up that particular uh, de- denomination. Prior to that, I kind of looked back and the system of governance was very much that you would bring people together, not in team, but in committee. And it was run by a group of people, all individuals, they would come and uh, they would, uh, was called an executive committee and they would make their decisions. But, But what I noticed over the years is when they weren't on the committee, they had very little connection then with the people that they'd been working with. Can I tell you something that uh, I've now been out of the role for what, two, two and a bit years, but the team that I'd had for eight years, we stuck together for eight years, we were pals. And so every one of them, whether it's Andy Smith from up in Scotland, Alan Hewitt that's in North Wales, whether it's Grayson Jones that's in, in the Northeast, whether it's Phil Pye in the Midlands, Ian Williams down in Torquay in the Southwest. We were functioning out of friendship, and that friendship means that it continues today. Every one of them were in... In fact, even today, I've had some emails or messages, whatever you call it, uh, you know, come through on the email thing, uh, from the people, the gang there, not emails, what are they? Messages, WhatsApp, WhatsApp. I belong to a WhatsApp group, that's what it is. See, when you get to my age, who cares, you press a button and that's it. But the, the, the truth is, what I'm saying is... That it wasn't a committee. It wasn't a committee. We were modeling friendship even above function. And so please, please, when you get people, have something whereby there is a connection with them. There's a chemistry there. I want to tell you, I like Chris a great deal. I like him. I just like him. Else, why would I want to come? There would be no relationship there. And team is all about this thing of friendship and relationship. The third thing is, not just character above charisma or friendship before function, that I go, and we've heard something about this tonight, anointing above ability. Now, if you've got ability with anointing, wow, oh wow, you can really go somewhere. But for me, I personally believe and think that anointing is more important. The only thing is about anointing is, how do you explain anointing? You've either got it, or you haven't got it. I feel a song coming on. You've either got... No, I won't go there. But anointing. I I was at a church uh, last year. It was their 90th anniversary. Beth Shan, it used to be called. Uh, It's not called that now, but Beth Shan up in Manchester, and they had their 90th church anniversary, one of the oldest assemblies of God churches. And uh, there was a guy, they had all the old previous pastors there, uh, and they had a guy there that's now quite elderly and everything like that by the name of George Parrott. Somebody might know that name. He he pastored in Sutton, he pastored in Mansfield, he pastored in Bethsham for a whole period of time. And uh, he was asked to come to the platform, as were the other guys. I want to tell you, he was probably the oldest one there, but as soon as he walked on to that platform, You couldn't deny what? Something that you couldn't put your finger on. It was the anointing of God. That There was something about him. He just carried something. He he got people to to kind of praise God and worship God. And you wanted to listen to what he was saying because he carried the anointing of God. I want to say, when you look for people on your team, look for anointing even above ability. But of course, if you can get both all the better. The fourth thing is, in this general outline, go for diversity before similarity. If you like, go for variety, not uniformity. And I'll say a little bit about that in just a moment or two, but quite simply, don't go for people all like yourself. What a disaster that would be. In fact, the variety of any team that I've ever belonged to or chosen and been a part of in that sense, 
I've made sure that the people are very, very, well, they would have to be different, wouldn't they? But, but they were very different in their gift, in it, and in their, their whole range of things from myself. Some people, they just go for people that are yes people. Just go for people that, you know, well, he likes me, so we'll have him on, and he, he'll only do what I, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. You've got to like them, but they've also got to have a perspective that is different to add flavor into the whole thing. So diversity before similarity. Now, that's an outline that we could dwell on for a whole message. Character before charisma, friendship before function, anointing before ability, and diversity before similarity. But let me share one or two things, if I can, that are personal to me. How, how over the years have I gone about, and what have been the key things that have helped me choose the teams that I have? And, and the first one, I have to say this to you, this is personal to me. You don't necessarily have to go this route. But for me, I always tested a person's heart. Hmm. Uh, let me go back to this guy that mentored me early on in those early years. Even though he was in America, he came over many times. And this is a story he told me. He said, John, one day I noticed that the chief deacon came into our service late. Now, this was a church of 5,000, so for him to notice him coming in late, you know, he must have had some, they sat on the platform in those days, he must have looked down, seen him coming in late. So he said, what I did, I can't remember his name, let's call him George, just for the sake of it. He said, so immediately at the end of the service, I asked to see George in my office. This is what he's telling me as a young man. So I'm listening to this story. He said, when George come in, I, I said, George, I noticed you was late for our service today. And George says, oh, pastor, I am, I am so, so sorry. Uh, I can't remember the excuse, but perhaps he, he said, you know, the, the cat died or the wife died or something. I don't know. But he, he gave a very valid excuse. And, and Pastor Dick Iverson said, it's a disgrace. He said, it's a disgrace that you, as our chief deacon, should come walking into the church late. And George said, listen, Pastor, please step me down. I am so, so sorry. It's never happened before. I, I'd hope it would never, ever happen again. And, you know, I, I really didn't mean it. And Dick Iverson, with that, I got up and I flung my arms around him and said, George, you are the best deacon I could ever, ever have. He says, I know very well. If you could possibly have been here, you would have been on time. He said, but I just, just wanted to do it, just for my sake, really, to see what was on your heart. He says, not only have you passed the test, you're the greatest and you're the best. And, you know, and he went on and just built him all up. So he said to me, John, he said, for me, I test a person's heart before I have them on my team. So that's what I've always done. When um, I used to live in Australia, we came back and took on this, this role of, of AOG national leader, and I had to choose my team. And one of the people that had helped to uh, invite me and put me forward to be the national leader was a boy or a man called Ian Watson. I didn't know Ian very well, but he came into my office in the first week of me taking the role, and I said to him, Ian, I said, just to let you know, um, you know, I, I don't know you very well, so uh, you, you'll no longer be a part of the national leadership team. I'm sure you've, uh, you know, done a great job, and I thank you, but, you know, goodbye. He said, Johnny said, he said, I totally understand. He said, I support Absolutely, you choosing your own team. It's been a pleasure to serve. And uh, whatever I can do in the future to help you, I'd be willing to. He said, but thanks ever so much for having the guts to call me in and see me face to face and not just make a phone call. He said, I appreciate that. And I'll serve you and your vision in any way that I possibly can. And I said, thank you. Bye-bye. And out he went. <laughs> I, I, I don't think for one minute Ian Watson lost his peace at all, and bothered to oots. But me, sitting behind my desk, I lost my peace. Uh, and I began to think, 
this is just terrible. Uh, uh, this boy, if, if anybody's got to be on my team, this guy's got to be it. I'd heard he's got a, a, a great church, everything like that. But, you see, his spirit had been tested. He, he, he wasn't in it for the position. He was in it for how he could serve. And we call pride predominantly to be servants. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to get in touch with him and, and tell him this. I'll leave it till tomorrow, though. Let him stir a bit. So... I rang him the following day. I said, Ian, I said, let me just tell you that as soon as you walked out of the office, I knew that I wanted you to be on my team. In fact, more than that, and I didn't know the guy. I didn't know him at this stage. I said, more than that, Ian, I believe you're going to be my right-hand man. And I want you to come and work alongside me and be with me over whatever years we, we serve. And he was shocked. He said, oh, Jim. But, and then he talked like this, you know, well, he well, yeah, it'd be an honour, be an honour. I thought, no, mate, you've got it all right. The honour is mine to ask you. Test a person's heart. I can't say that we should do that because that's something that, that I do and have done in the past. But I tell you this, it's been a very, very good thing for me. I've even done it, not often, but it has happened, whereby I've tested something and they have failed. And I've realised, ah, you're not going to be a part of my team. And then, secondly, for me personally, and this is where it comes back to this uh, diversity before similarity, I, under I understand the need for balance. Um, any apostolic team, Ephesians 4 and 11 that we talked about, then they've each got a different gift in. And so what I try to do even in AOG, and I'm speaking, of course, out of my own testimony and experience here, I tried to draw people who had different callings on their life. So I've already mentioned Alan Hewitt. He's obviously a pastor teacher uh, and probably a greater, greater teacher than even a pastor. He's, he's a good pastor as well, actually. In fact, he makes me spit a little bit, but never mind. I grew up with him. We, we were mates. He was the first person I ever sat next to in a church. He married, or he, no, he didn't. His daughter married my son. <laughs> and uh, we went on holiday last year. We went on, so he's a very, very close friend. Just a galactor. But he's a teacher predominantly. Now, Ian Watson, I've already mentioned, he's more of a pastor. He's, he's got such a pastor's heart. He, he, he's seen his church grow tremendously in Bolton under a pastoral-type leadership Involving others with different gifts, but he is predominantly a pastor. You've got Ian uh, Williams down in um, Torquay, and he's a great pastor as well, but, but you know, he just gets going on the old prophetic. He, he, he'll prophesy into anything, and if it moves, he'll prophesy. And, and so th th there's that prophetic kind of... You've got Grayson Jones, uh, who, who I was very, very close to, and we, we actually were the two that agreed on most things together. But, but he's very, very apostolic. There's no, you know, this is the way, governance and what have you. So it's very, very interesting that when we met together as a team, if a situation cropped up, depending on who was speaking, they always brought the solution through the eyes of the gifting that carried within them. So Alan Ewart would say, well, the Bible says... In the book of Zechariah, chapter 22 and verse 55, and he'd be telling you what the Bible said, and so the teaching of it. And then Ian would pop it, ah, oh, but grace. Grace says we ought to go the extra mile in this one and perhaps put our arm around and send a bunch of flowers or so. And then Ian Williams would stand up and say, oh, the saith the Lord. And Grayson would say, let's, you know, and then you'd have the evangelist, let's move on. Let's, people are getting lost, we don't even bother. Yeah. I mean, that was probably me, actually. But <laughs> you know, I think that's wonderful. On team, you can have a diversity and yet a unity of spirit. So that you see things differently, you speak out of the gifting that you're carrying within you, and that has to be understood, but actually you can have unity without uniformity, without it all being and saying exactly 
the same thing. So I think that in any senior team, there ought to be certainly a balance of that. For me personally, I also put a great deal of emphasis upon what you might call spiritual intuition, or if you like, that place of leading of the Holy Ghost. The church here, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, the very atmosphere through the leading and the worship, which was, I thought, dynamic this morning, uh, this evening. Thank you, team, for just leading us in that. I, I mean, we didn't really need anybody to speak. We could have just flown into all what God was absolutely tremendous. So we believe at the church here in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. They're, they're not just for the four walls of a building. You see? And, and when we pick teams, I think sometimes it can be that we go with what is in here. You know, what, 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 what didn't leave me when Ian walked out of the room? There was something in my spirit. I couldn't put my finger. That guy is carrying something that he doesn't even, he didn't, he didn't even know how good he was, to be honest. He didn't even know how gracious he was. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a great friend. Him and Sue, they're coming down to stay at our house. We're clearing off on holiday in there, having our house. And, you know, he doesn't realize it. But I did. And I think very often, this is what the Bible says about you. You have the mind of Christ. That means that you can think God thoughts. And when it comes to choosing team, then let God fill your mind. I'll give you a couple more. Dear, dear me, we haven't even got through anything here, but never mind. I'll be finished within five minutes and then we'll get some questions. But hold on to your seats. I always listen to my spouse. Now, I don't tell her that, and I wouldn't preach that if she was sitting here now. I probably would miss this point out. You know what I mean? Yeah, but... I, I found, I don't know what it is. She's a quiet lady, my, well, quiet in front of a you lot, not at home, she's not. But she, you won't see her on a platform, really. Andreen's not, not that type. But she looks and she just sees, and boy, oh boy, she's saved me a few times because of me listening to what she's said. And I listen to my peers, and I listen to those trusted friends. I always would listen to those that were already a part of the team. Another thing that I would do, and don't this ought to be for everybody, I reckon. I always had people on my team that were faith people. Now, by that, I mean this. They carried the Caleb and the Joshua spirit. We can most certainly do it. I wouldn't want anybody on my team that didn't have that spirit. Do, do you know those boys, Joshua and Caleb? They didn't deny that there were giants in the land. They were realists. So, so they knew there was giants in the land, but they, they knew that there was a bigger than a giant that they served. Uh, and actually, I like being with those kind of people. I like being with the kind of people that say, we can most certainly do it. And so that would be a very, very important ingredient, a faith person, a believer, someone that was prepared to get out of the boat, not deny the giants, not deny some of the things, but if it was in the heart and the spirit of the leader to say, we'll go for it, we'll get behind this, we'll pray it, we'll see it brought into fruition. And then for me personally, I always liked to include on my team a wild card. I, 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 think, I think actually people have had me sometimes on their team and I've probably been the wild card. But I, I, I like wild cards. I remember when I took this role of the AOG thing, I keep coming back to that because it's the most recent thing of team building, and they were all absolutely fantastic guys. Um, uh, but, but I had quite a number of phone calls, and they said to me, oh, John, you, you've done a good job here in picking your team. I had people tell me that. You know, they said, fantastic. And then they always but what about? And there was one person <laughs> in particular. There was two, actually, but usually it was one. They said, oh, I'm not so sure about that. I said, well, that's my wild card. I've just got a gut feeling about this. I've got something in here that says it's right. And I had one person say to me, oh, well, you know about wild cards. They can go wrong. I said, yes, and so can safe bets. Hmm. 
choosing people for your team. Uh, oh dear. No, 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 there's two, two. Let me just throw these things out because they're all a part of this one point, really. How do you choose people to journey with you? Number one, those who make things happen. Are you a person that will make things happen? I like people like that. Those who can see and seize the opportunities. Number three, those who influence others. Always look for the influencers. In every church, there's influencers. It might be the little quiet lady on the fifth row who could be influencing for good or for bad. If it's for bad, you deal with it. If it's for good, let them go, let them go. They're influencers. Have them on your team. Bring them into your circle of some kind. Influencers are tremendously important. Have people on your team that add value. Are you, with, have you ever been with anybody and at the end of it you've been absolutely drained? You've thought, oh, uh, I've bumped into them for another 50 years. You know, that, that type of person. And have you ever been with someone you think, I'd like to spend more time with them. I bet, they, bet they're good. I, I, I like people like that. They add some value. I like, I like those people who attract other leaders, those who can equip others, those who provide inspiration and inspiring ideas, those, as I said, with a positive attitude, those who live up to their commitments. Already around here, there are those of you that are <coughs> passing the test fantastically by being here on a Wednesday evening, living up to your commitment to be at this meeting. Those who add value and thought... I don't want to end on negative, but it is true. You know, every leader has got a dark side. So you'll never find the perfect leader. You're not it. Because everybody, uh, there's one book, probably none of you have ever read it. It's called Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. (laughs) By Gary L. McIntosh. Uh, And he identifies five different types of leader. He says one is the compulsive leader. That has to be his way or the highway. He has to be in charge or she has to be in charge. This is it. Then there's the narcissistic leader who actually gets things done, but really they're serving there. I've been on a team whereby I served a narcissistic leader. Oh, it's a nightmare. The paranoid leader. This is uh, someone that kind of deep down thinks that everybody's against them. Two people are talking over there. I bet they're talking about me. The codependent leader. They need others so badly so that they can either blame them or feed off them. So that they they always want to be told how good they are because it feeds them. And then there's the passive-aggressive leader who quietly yet meaningfully gets on with the job. I said that everyone's got a dark side. And that is true, because none of us in this room actually are immune from being self-centered. None of us in this room are immune from hypocritical behavior. None of us in this room are uh, immune from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. None of us in this room are immune from being corrupted, manipulative, or even manipulated. So choosing team has got dangers attached to it. But let me tell you this. To not build a team, to not be a part of a team, to not be added in, and to not follow the biblical pattern is something that ends in absolute disaster. No Lone Rangers. That was a a funny thing. Why did they call him the Lone Ranger? He always had Tonto at his side. He wore a mask, didn't he? He wore a mask. So he wouldn't be recognized. And yet he went around on a white horse wearing a mask with an Indian next to him. I mean, never mind. I think funny things, really. Choose people that are real. Choose people that are authentic. In the book there, uh, I think there's a chapter on how we change teams. Because if I had time, I'd have to tell you, nobody's on a team for life. Nobody, not even the senior leader. (laughs) I used to do AOG, now, no. Absolutely fine, that is. There are seasons. Some people think that theirs is, that's it, mine for life. I'm doing, I'm playing the drums for life. Well, fantastic. You're not, actually, but 
I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that for the drummer. Because <laughs> I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> but you know what I mean? None of us, you've got to be prepared to, to, to realize that no one's on the team for life. So I talk about uh, changing the team. I talk about growing the team. In the book there, I think about how we release people in team. Uh, and then I talk about some personal team values. Let me close with this, and then we'll have the thing. I'm going to close with a little reading, and then three very, very short one-sentence quotes. A few years ago, at the Seattle Special Olympics, there were nine contestants. All of them were physically or mentally disabled, and they assembled together at the starting line for the 100-yard dash. At the gun, they all started out, not exactly in a dash, but with a relish to run the race, to finish, and to win. All that is, except one little boy who stumbled onto the tarmac, tumbled over a couple of times, and then he began to cry. The other eight heard the little boy. They slowed down, and they looked back. And then they all turned around, and they went back, every single one of them. One little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed him, and she said, this will make it all better. All nine then linked their arms, and they walked across the finish line together. And everyone in the stadium stood up and cheering that went on for several minutes. People who were there are still telling the story of that Seattle Special Olympics. Why are they still telling the story? Because deep down, we all know one thing. What matters most in life is more than winning for ourselves. What truly matters in life is helping others to win. Even if it means slowing down and changing our course. That is the greatest characteristic of a team player. Three quotes. Ken Blanchard said, none of us is as smart as all of us. H.E. Luckett said, no one can whistle a symphony. It takes an orchestra to play it. And Henry Ford, he said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is progress, and working together is success. My prayer is that you will work together like never before. Enjoy the journey. Laugh and cry together. Catch the heart. Become the interpreter of dreams. And may each and every one of you here not only be a team player, but a team builder as well. Amen? Amen. If, if while uh, whatever Chris is going to do now, if you pass this box around and each take one out or start to pass them, just, if you can, just take one per couple, all right? Uh, and if you're single, that means you get one yourself. You know, don't worry about that. So that's great. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Could have a whole leadership seminar with all that content put together. You know, one of the reasons we do this, one of the reasons I put this together, one is not just for us as Gateway Church, if that makes sense. This is an evening to build leaders. Because we do not know where God's going to take each of you, each of us, in the days ahead. Amen? And so it's a time for us just to sit back as individuals, firstly, and say, Lord, wonderful stuff to keep processing. Keep at the back of our minds as you build us into our calling. And of course, then we bring it into context of what we do together in our, in our leadership and, and beautiful things to, to, to meditate on. One of the things we want to keep doing as we're growing is build teams. And you guys in your context, departments, life groups, listen, one of the things we want to keep pushing now is build more teams 
because we're going to run out of leaders and run out of teams very quickly. And that will be an ongoing journey. And some of the things and everything we heard is fantastic to meditate on. Begin to look at people in your life groups. Begin to look at people in your department and say, Lord, are you showing me someone? Are you showing me a group of people that I can begin now to journey with as I prepare them over the next one year, over the next two years to be a leader in the house of God? Amen. That's so fantastic. John, I just want to say thank you. What a privilege and blessing we have to be able to have a friend, a leader, a father who can work closely with us, speak into us as the Lord would lay on his heart. And that's what we believe. As we journey and partner, we need people outside of us to come and speak, bring direction, bring the word of God. So thank you for doing that for us, John. I'm going to leave it open for a few minutes. If you have anything, anything on leadership, anything that you've heard uh, today, a question you want to throw to John. We've got five minutes. You can do that. Something about teams, something you're, you're, chal- you're being challenged with in context of your team, where you are at, without mentioning names. <laughs> Anyone has a question? Yes. Yes, there is a difference, obviously, between the workplace where people are being paid and a volunteer. But I don't believe the characteristics should be any different. In other words, if you're a volunteer, you should not give any less um, into doing that particular role just because you're not being paid for it. And the other thing is, I think that a great leader has an ability to motivate. Um, And so one of the characteristics is to... Uh, encourage, the word of encouragement is a tremendous thing. If ever you've got to deal with somebody, make sure that if it's a a rebuke, you rebuke privately, you encourage openly. Uh, And very, very often, for every one rebuke, give five encouragements. And so great leaders know what it is to pull out the best in their volunteers through encouragement. But I don't believe the actual, there is a difference because if you're being paid, you you know, you get the sack. Uh, It's but I, I actually think some volunteers ought to get the sack. You know, if they're, not, if they're not fulfilling the criteria, that's why one of the things that I threw in there just very quickly about the commitment, and you've already shown great commitment by being here. It's tremendous. I, I mean, I just commend you. And you should expect that in the teams you're building, that if you're putting on something, you'd want them there. Again, there's always the exception. And, you know, you, you don't become dictatorial in it, but... Um, I don't, I don't believe volunteers should be any less committed to their ministry and their work. Anybody else? Yes. 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 Oh, absolutely. I mean, as I say, I was trying to paint a panoramic picture here. Um, Now, let me tell you that if you're a part of the music team, and if you're a part of the cleaning team, and if you're a part of the youth team, you've got your own teams. But remember this, you're a part of the one team. And there has to be a recognition. Let me tell you, if one part of the team fails, you all fail. And so, therefore, there's a, I think it might be in the book, I don't know, there's the illustration of the Formula One team. And there were, the, the guy was trying to find out, you know, what caused them to be so good. And he was doing an interview, uh, and the driver said, well, we drive the fastest that we can so we can win the race. And then he went to the mechanic, and, and the mechanic said, well, actually, we change the wheels as quickly as we can so that we can win the race. Uh, and another person said, and we're trying to develop a, a new carburetor so that the car can go better and we can win the race. And then he went to Mabel. 
And he says, what's your role? She says, I make the tea for the boys so that they're refreshed and we can win the race. You get the point. They're all, they're, the, the purpose is actually what it's all about. So you have to determine as a church your purpose. And you serve that one purpose from the different teams. So they are interrelated. I mean, I haven't got time to go into that, but it's, it's actually fun. It's the very first thing in my notes, but I skipped it because I knew the time. Purpose, yeah. Anybody else? Thank you. Yes. There's not a challenge. You just ask them to step down. No, no, no. I mean, basically, my ministry has been one of pioneering, right? So, um, Andrean and I, we, we have pioneered some 10, 10 churches in this country. Uh, but one of them, the, the last one actually in this country, uh, was at Exeter, which was one an established church with an established team. And it's totally different. When, you, when you're going from scratch, it's, it's a lot easier. So people said, John, you'll never be able to do that because that's outside, you know. I was taking on an established, and it was a, in quite a, a difficulty at the, the time. Um, and it's true, it is different, and you do have to be prepared to face up. There was one or two that were on the existing team that in the end, there was no... You know, I talked about connection, and I talked about chemistry. The chemistry wasn't there. I couldn't be myself, and you've got to be able to be yourself. Not everybody would want to be on my team, because, I mean, I like laughing a lot, to be honest. Laugh too much, to be honest. And for some very serious people, they would not like that. And I understand that. But you wouldn't want to be on my team then, because I just believe that it's a great thing to get the joy of the Lord, and it becomes your strength. So I did have to get rid of people. Because ultimately, don't forget, leaders lead. Leaders lead. And so sometimes you have to make the hard call. But providing you're doing it with grace and not, you know, dictatorial. I hate the dictatorial thing. But you do have to be prepared sometimes to release people. Even though they've got the ability and they've got the character, but they haven't got the connection. Just won't work. Won't work. It didn't work with me. Anybody else? And then we'll make this the last one. Thank you. Well, yeah, but your, your opening sentence probably wasn't quite how I would see things. Everybody can have a different perspective from the gifting that they're carrying, but they can carry the same heart and spirit. And so, therefore, we would all have a different view when we sat around the table. And, and even though I was the leader of the team, sometimes when I say I got overruled, <laughs> I usually got overruled. I kind of, you know, the, I, I, but in the end, you come to a consensus this is the way, let's walk in it. And the ultimate thing is that falls with the angel of the church, the leader of the leaders, if you like. Ultimately, that's got to be the way. But I think a good leader doesn't use that as a dictatorial thing. I think there was only once in the eight years that I led AOG that the team said one thing, or they, they were a bit weary about something, and I said, I want this to happen. And we, we did it. They all went with it, so they had a different perspective. And... Uh, they were probably right, <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> so you, you you can have a difference, definitely. But it is interesting listening to the different the different things. Yes, but you but they're carrying the same heart and spirit. That's the key thing. And they're submitting one to another. That's what I'm saying because I think even the leader of the leaders has to sometimes submit to the. Got to go with that, otherwise, what's the point? Hey, it's been an absolute delight to be with you, and so uh, thank you. Thank you. Let's appreciate John.
Fantastic. We're going to close with a song, just one song. Just going to just, as we ref-